Welcome to the EMSO Talks podcast. Hello and welcome to EMSO Talks. I'm Jens Nystedt, co-CIO at EMSO. Thank you for joining today for our new podcast series called Fika with me, that is Jens. As some of you may know, I was born and raised in Sweden, where the idea of a coffee break or a fika is a deep part of uh, what we do in Sweden and part of Swedish culture. So uh, we hope you're able to take a short break in your day, maybe grab a coffee, maybe grab some Swedish treats along the way to listen to this and our future episodes. So what I was trying to do here is I will be sharing some insights and views of what's going on in the markets right now, and then also talk about what we are focused on in terms of uh, future events that uh, are on our radar. And uh, the whole idea is to give some insight into the process here at EMSO and how we are assessing the volatile times that we are, of course, going to live in and have been part of, and likely there will be plenty of volatility in the future. So with that, let me dive in with where we are standing here. We are coming towards the end of uh, February. We are... uh, uh, seeing after a very, very strong start in 2023, a little bit of a retracement in February. And uh, it's gone across the global market. So the question is really, why have we seen what some people characterize as almost 2022 light? What people mean with 2022 light is that we're seeing some return of concerns about the inflation outlook, especially in the US. And also what that will mean in terms of future monetary policy tightening, again, led by the uh, US. I think that what we have encountered here in emerging markets is very little differentiation. So the moment we saw stronger US data in the beginning of February, especially this non-farm payroll print, which printed well north of 500,000 added jobs, the market took that as a real concern that we were going away from a discussion of a soft landing or hard landing in the US to a no landing scenario, that the US may simply power f- through despite the, um, and the unprecedented nature of the Fed hikes that we saw in 2022. So the 2022 playbook was brought out again, which means stronger dollar, higher rates, uh, weaker emerging market currencies, and a little regard for what is different in um, 2023, which I will turn to uh, in a little bit. Um, In terms of things that will drive that conversation, I think here going forward, we have another non-farm payroll print on March 10, so that will matter. Uh, We will also have another inflation release for the US. Uh, Then the Fed meets uh, towards the end of the month, and it will uh, have a better, fuller picture in terms of what of the releases we had in February will actually be reflecting seasonal patterns. Um, We also had a number of statistical adjustments and what is actually a stronger US growth. I think our sense here at EMSO is that uh, when all is said and done, the US economy is, especially with regards to the labor market, stronger than what people expected this year. Now, is that always bad news uh, for emerging markets? Well, we would argue not so fast. When it comes to emerging markets, Usually, emerging market performance, especially fixed income performance, is a direct function of global growth, global interest rates, and also the direction of the dollar. When it comes to global growth, better news in the US doesn't necessarily have to be all that bad. Imagine if we got the opposite, which was uh, a US recession was commencing here and now. That would actually be a real uh, headwind for many emerging markets on 
their export side, their export recovery coming out of COVID. Now it's almost a little bit of too much of a good thing because since December of last year, we got positive news out of China with regards to the Chinese reopening. We are on track of hitting double-digit growth rates next quarter. So the reopening is well underway. It's not a hypothetical story anymore. But the market has actually taken the current sell-off to price out most of those reopening implications for other currencies in emerging markets and even some of the credit opportunities. So that is a definitely a positive tailwind for emerging markets. Another thing that we were concerned about going into 2023 was really uh, the energy crisis in Europe. There we also had good news. They were able to manage uh, that situation because we had also unseasonably mild weather. Well, hold on to that thought for a second, that mild weather we also had in the US. So clearly the weather being so mild has helped in a number of uh, industries that uh, is weather, very weather dependent, such as construction, for example. So the good news on the weather side certainly helped European growth. We avoided the recession just barely for the fourth quarter. Uh, we are still seeing some growth upgrades coming through. And uh, if you look at gas prices, natural gas prices in Europe, they have remained quite low. I mean, still high from a historical context, but well off the kind of peaks that we saw in uh, in the summer of last year, where we were concerned about what would the winter bring. So there have clearly been positive global growth surprises, and the U.S. non-farm payroll print has been another one. So this should really mean that if you are a, an exporting emerging market, if you're involved with commodity exports, this is not necessarily bad news. It could actually be good news if you are closely associated with the economic cycle in the U.S., such as Mexico. This is clearly good news, and actually... It's not a huge surprise that one of the best performing emerging market currencies out there has been the Mexican peso, which offers you uh, this kind of growth nexus with the U.S., but also fairly high uh, carry potential. So that has been, been promising. So why then the negative reaction? Well, first of all, let's remind each other that January was a very strong month. We had record issuance uh, at the sovereign level. We had very strong inflows. And it was clearly based on a narrative that was soft landing in nature, that we would almost have um, a very strong combination of uh, okay enough growth, a Fed that was uh, coming to an end of its hiking cycle, a dollar that would actually going to weaken uh, rather than strengthen, and that the baton would pass to other central banks such as the ECB in terms of continuing their hiking cycles, while many EM central banks, which had been early in terms of hiking interest rates, uh, were able to go on pause or even cut. And I think that the narrative for those EM central banks is uh, still fairly true. I don't think much has changed, even with this repricing about where the terminal rate is for the Fed because of that better growth outlook. Um, the reason why I think we are still holding up reasonably well is at the end of the day, the market is discussing is the Fed ending its rate hiking cycle 25 basis points higher than what we thought before. So it's not a huge repricing, but it was a significant event given how the market was positioned long. And uh, those positions, in our view, has largely been shaken out, which means that going into the kind of top-down drivers for March, we are now in a better position, and if uh, we see 
on March 10th, the non-farm payroll print that is closer to what the trend looked like before the print that we had in February, then we're probably going to see not a, not a 2022 light, but probably a mini January rally. So the question is, how do you set up for that? On the other hand, if uh, the payroll print for uh, February that will be released in March gets confirmed that the U.S. economy, especially the labor market, is doing well, then I think a lot of that repricing is behind us, where, where the Fed is priced right now is probably in line with what we would hear from them on March 22nd. And then, in fact, we had some Fed speakers last year, sorry, last week that came out with the argument saying that they are much more comfortable with the pricing where it's now, also taking out most of the cuts for this year. So I think there is less of a risk of another uh, sell-off on the back of uh, U.S. data. Now, can that be different? Sure, if we have another shocking print, then the market has some further repricing to be done. But the risk-reward, I think, has switched now in favor of watching where the data is is going. The Fed is data-dependent, so is the market. And from a top-down perspective, we just have to take our lead from those data prints. In the meantime, while these kind of top-down issues matter, below the surface, there are fairly uh, interesting stories in emerging markets that catch our attention that uh, we think continue to be constructive. We had Nigerian elections here over the weekend. Let's see where that goes. Uh, will it go to a second round or not? Uh, certainly, uh, the elections themselves were conducted relatively okay. So counting is going on. It's too early to see if we avoid that second round, but that could be a constructive driver. It's good to see that the elections uh, went broadly okay. We are also closely tracking uh, what's going on in a number of uh, more distressed circumstances. We have Argentina elections later this year. So elections will be an important, I think, idiosyncratic driver for the opportunity set we find in emerging markets. Now, uh, there are a number of, um, I would say, China reopening-related stories. I mentioned I would get back to them. As tourism resumes, I think some of the currencies that initially outperformed in January and gave back most of their gains, if not all of them, such as Thai baht, the Malaysian ringgit, etc., could be very interesting to re-engage in. Let's look at that. Um, so we do see opportunities on the currency side as well. And on the rate side, we are seeing some better inflation prints in Mexico, certainly in Brazil, if you look at the core con concept, that uh, there's plenty to do on the interest rate side in the metric markets, maybe relative to the U.S., maybe on its own merit, but there's plenty of... Uh, opportunities given this uh, recent weakness. Finally, I would say that one of the risks that continues into 2023 and was certainly still there and, 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 and was a clear driver of 2022 was geopolitics. The conflict in, uh, in Ukraine with the reinvasion of Russia uh, of Ukraine um, hit its one-year mark recently. Seems not to go away anytime soon. It's going to be hanging over us at least for most of this year. And if anything, the new piece of information that raises some concerns is whether or not China will be an actor in this uh, conflict by supplying Russia with uh, ammunition or even outright arms. I think that will have uh, some significant implications uh, for, for global asset classes in general, but EM in particular, depending on what are the implications with regards to China and, and sanctions. So watch that space. So far, U.S. intelligence has been pretty good. It's something that we follow quite closely here at EMSO, given how well they did with regards to 
calling the Ukraine conflict. So it's certainly a concern. But um, setting that apart, if we look at the top-down picture of better global growth than what we expected, um, I think that the fundamental case for emerging markets looks stronger than what we expected this year. Uh, it's not only the U.S., but really that China reopening being a big part of the story. On the inflation side, so far inflation has been tracking broadly as expected, so no news there. I think the concern is, can there be too much growth? Is it too much of a good thing? Uh, but we'll find out a lot over uh, in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully you join me after the next Fed meeting sometime uh, the last week of March, and I can give you an update on what our thinking is then and how we uh, see things going forward. So thank you very much for taking the time, and I hope you enjoyed your Swedish Fika.